Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Single Seater Space podcast with me, James Scott, Single Seater Space's lead editor, alongside me, Taryn Glazebrook, Single Seater Space's Formula E and Formula One editor and we are here ahead of an exciting week of Formula E as Formula E heads to Saudi Arabia for the Diria E Prix and not only that, in the last couple of days we've heard news that Formula One's Spanish Grand Prix will be heading to Madrid. Um, questions still to be asked about whether the Barcelona-Catalunya circuit will be dropped in its entirety. I think the logical assumption is yes. However, it's something we will talk about, especially considering Catalunya changed their biggest Achilles heel in the circuit only a couple of seasons ago. And now they are already getting rid uh, of the track, despite the fact that the track's racing has improved dramatically. And we'll have an all time high number of street circuits in Formula One. We might discuss whether that is the route that the series is taking. So, Taron, we'll start off then with predicting the Formula E because uh, that's what the people want to hear. And um, I'd love for you to remind us of what the scoreboard is going into the Diria E pre weekend. And then, of course, we can predict our pole position and race winners, plural, I believe, because I think it is a double header in Diria. Um, Taron, take it away. Yeah, I need to claw some points back, people. James is 2 0 ahead of me, so I'm I am scared at the moment, considering this is Formula E. This is the thing I should know and James shouldn't. So, it's, realistically, it should be me leading this 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 points tally, but no, James is um, James is cooking something in twenty twenty four, ladies and gentlemen. But I have a double headed to call this punk. So, uh, two races. Um, one of the race winners, I'll, I'll say Pascal Verline wins race two. It just seems obvious after Mexico that Verline wins out in Deria, especially what he did last year with that um to back win streak that he got um just thinking about it race one a man who was looking for a fight back and a guy who finished in p2 around deria i think around race one and that was jake dennis so i'm gonna say dennis fights back um whether that happens or not is another thing um are we predicting pole positions now i don't think we should do um both pole positions i think we should just do both race wins then um because it is a double header keep it at two points per weekend um and that's just how the prediction league will go so two points per weekend per series so my two race winners you nabbed pascal verline for race two i'll put him for race one um, just because he was so strong for me uh, last time out. And then I think Mitch Evans will win race two. I've just got that inkling feeling. It was the first name that came into my head. And so that's the one that I'll be choosing when um, uh, when Formula E races this weekend. So those are our predictions then. So, Taron, how do we think the Diria E Prix will go down? Because in my head, there's a few little storylines coming into this. Of course, Pascal Verlein leading the championship started so dominantly in mexico um did such a good job uh, around mexico city he um he's 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 obviously started the season well for porsche his teammate antonio felix da costa needs to bounce back and that's another kind of key thing coming into this weekend remember last season we talked a lot about second drivers not pulling their weight so that's key for me um can andretti recover um, Jake Dennis, the champion of last year, almost nowhere uh, in Mexico, uh, only just finishing ahead of his teammate, Norman Nato. Um, so that is another thing to look out for. How will
Lilo Envision, how will Jaguar fare? They're probably our strongest other teams alongside Porsche. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about, I guess, is, is Maserati's pace actually for real? Um... Max Gunter, great end to last season, strong start to this year. Um, I guess it's can he kind of put it together over the course of this season because for the first half of last year, Maserati weren't really anywhere. So um, that's one of the things we can talk about um, before then we get into a bit of F1 action. So um, we might as well kick it off then with Porsche. Pascal Wehrlein, incredibly dominant. We expect him to do so again. He won both of these rounds last season. Um, do you think, do you think he'll, uh, do you think he'll, quite quickly become um, sort of the one to beat in this championship and uh, what can Antonio Felix da Costa do as his teammate? Yeah, um, definitely that first thing. Pascal Verlein, yes, it is a season start. We all know Pascal Verlein. when the season starts, he is at his best. He always likes to start quickly off the block. So definitely this weekend, he is, he, he is the one to watch. He's the one to beat. Um, teammate da Costa. He just needs to do a little bit better than he did last weekend, last time out in Mexico, which it shouldn't be that hard. But um, uh, given uh, he, he he could crash again, who knows? Um, he, he just needs to not crash, really. He needs to not qualify way down in 16th place. He at least needs to get into that top 10, get some points on the board, start get that points tally rolling, because there's no point of Porsche going about their business in the constructors, in the constructors' championship with... Um, without uh, a foot, the full two hands out of their pockets. You know, fighting with one hand is not the easiest thing to do. Um, just one team I actually thought about, well, just 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 going back to Deere last year, and just going back to their season start last year, was McLaren. Now, they were so, so, so strong in qualifying. Uh, definitely remember in Deere last season, um, when uh, Jake Hughes, I believe, nabbed his first pole position. Uh, beating Mitch Evans in a very, very close Jules final. And I believe he started the first race on the front row. So yeah, that's all very good saying that. Um, and then they just fell back in the main race. But um, just remembering uh, their season start in Mexico was, it sort of went a little bit unnoticed. You know, Hughes, yes, he got into the duels. Yes, he qualified in P6, finished in P7. Pretty nice points. Um, I'm going to mention the second driver down at McLaren, um, Sam Bird. Um, he's moved teams uh, from Jaguar to McLaren. So he, he, he's, he's at home in his backyard in the UK. Uh, I, I don't really know how to describe his start to McLaren. Qualifying P11, finishing in 14th in Mexico. Um, it's not. I mean, it's not great, you know, finishing outside the points, um, finishing further down than where you started, um, and ultimately only finishing ahead of the likes of Nick DeFries, Jane DeVruvla, Nico Muller, and Dan Tictum. He is certainly going to be one to try and get his hand out this weekend. Definitely get something going for him. That's something with that's something with Sam Bird I've actually noticed. When, when he is a very dangerous driver. Very dangerous. When when he's like when he's in his prime, there I don't really see most a lot of people better than him, especially when making those moves, um, making those last move overtakes in the final few laps. Sandbird is very dangerous, so he he'll definitely be one to watch coming out this weekend. Um, just before we talk about any other teams, what do you think of McLaren, James? Obviously, a team that is in the midfield 
qualifies well, but that race pace just isn't too great. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's flashes of really good speed there. And as we saw that last year as well, um, often the uh, the qualifying performance outshone the racing. Um, I guess that's normal, I think, for a team when they uh, when they rise up rather fast, that uh, the qualifying is better than the race trim because, of course, the race trim is the most difficult thing to nail. And that's why the big points are, uh, are in play on race day because race trim is that much more difficult to, to get right. And so I think, that obviously, they're in the ascendancy. Sam Bird is just looking for a bit of consistency because last year really had a horror show for, for Jaguar. I mean, there's no real way to put any shine on it. It was a really tough season. And he's been handed this opportunity by McLaren. And, and it's got to be there for the taking, really. And the first race wasn't quite there. I mean, I guess that's normal. It's difficult to jump into a new team and immediately perform. Although, having said that, Nick Cassidy was on the podium in his first race for Jaguar in the seat that Dennis, uh, sorry, that um, Sam Bird vacated. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely potential there. He hasn't, he hasn't forgotten how to drive overnight. He hasn't forgotten how to drive in the last sort of 12, 13 months. So there's obviously the, 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 the driving talent is still there. It's just about stringing it together in a new environment um, and under different types of pressure, I guess. New, new, new sort of requirements about what's good. Um, Jaguar, of course, the aim is to win races, whereas uh, McLaren, the aim is to put the car up as far up the field as it can go. And if you can challenge your uh, your Jaguar and your Porsche and your Envision racing up the front, then that's great. But really, um, he's got to be scoring points every weekend, even if they're slightly lower points. Fourteenth um, in the first race in Mexico um, was a was a was a not a worrying start, but one that just might raise a couple of eyebrows, um, especially with Jake Hughes coming home in a very solid seventh place then um we didn't really talk about them much last week because they were anonymous andretti um ninth and tenth reigning champion jake dennis finished ninth uh, i know he had a poor qualifying and gained a few spots in what was otherwise a pretty lackluster mexico epre and uh norman nato did a decent job as well he did a very good job for nissan last year got essentially a move in towards a top team um do you think they'll fare slightly better in Diria? Because um, if I was the reigning champion, it would be a little bit of a, uh, a worrying sign to come home in ninth, especially considering he just occupied podium positions like it was going out of fashion last year. And that's how he won the title, despite the fact he didn't win the most races, I think, out of anybody in 2023 because he was so consistent and occupied so many spots up at the front. Um, I think, uh, I think, Jake Dennis might be a little bit worried about uh, the form of Andretti Taran. Give us your thoughts. Do you think, do you agree with me? Do you think if you were Andretti, you'd be a little bit concerned or is it too early to say really? Yeah, we've only had one race. So I do think it's too early to say, but you definitely wouldn't want that kind of streak of ending, finishing below, let's say, T's, let's finish finishing below sevenths and eighths consistently. It's not a great look, especially when last season, as you said, Jake Dennis, he was picking up podium after podium after podium. And, um, yeah, that, that, that's something that is so key in Formula E, you know, seasons of consistency, seasons where you're just stringing together. You know, even if you're not getting podiums, if you're getting P5, P4, P6, you know, those points are so, so crucial. When Nick DeFries won that title in 2021... I think there was a stat that if you finished in 6th or 7th every race, you would have won the title. Like, winning is not everything in Formula E. 
Formula E is about consistency week in, week out. That was why Verline didn't win the title last year. You can have this amazing start to the season where, you know, you're getting to like Quinns and Diria, but over the season, if you're not doing it, if, if you're not finishing those points consistently, you know, then goodbye, your championship will be over, which happened for Verline in 2023. Yeah, four race wins for um, Evans and for Cassidy in 2023 compared to Jake Dennis just having two. However, there were only five races in which he finished off the podium. One of them was a fourth place and uh, four of them were in a row. So that consistency after Berlin to literally not finish the podium off the podium except once in Rome where uh, there was a bit of carnage going on there was pretty astounding. And as you say, it's much like IndyCar, really. You win titles by playing smart. And if seventh is the best that you can get that weekend, finish seventh. Don't stick it in the wall. If third is the best that you can muster... That is a significant chunk of points. And, um, yeah, that's what uh, that's what Jake Dennis will be hoping because, uh, yeah, ninth place in the opening round of the year is not quite what he would have been after. Um, little uh, last couple of teams that I guess that we kind of want to talk about, really. Um, I mentioned it when I was talking, just sort of outlining the Formula E, Max Gunter. What do you think? Is this Maserati pace legitimate? And then after that, can we talk about DS Penske? Because they're supposed to be Formula E's super team, but it hasn't got going yet. It didn't get going last year. It really hasn't got going this year. When you have two of the most established and probably two of the quickest Formula E drivers in your ranks, finishing sixth and eighth in uh, the opening round in Mexico in 2024 is not quite what they wanted for them, especially considering their fifth and 11th place finishes in the championship last year. Um, Start with Maserati. Uh, um, give us your take on that before then we have a little chat about John Eric Vern and Stoffel Van Dorn. Yeah, um, for Maserati, Max Gunter was so impressive. Um, he he is he is their guy, and at the moment he's doing all he can in their car. And I, I don't really know where Maserati stands on it. To be honest with you, uh, they are. I think it's obvious they aren't like those top teams, like your Jaguar, your Envision, um, your Porsche. They're, they're not like those three teams. They don't really kind of have that kind of X factor. But Max Gunter is saying, hold up a second, Taron. I've got X factor and I'm going to display it. I'm going to show you that evidence. And um, he, has, he has done that for us. Whether you can keep it going is another thing. Um, I think for Maserati, is a, for a key thing for them is Jane Deruba. You know, how, how is he going to, you know, how quickly is he going to settle into that role at Maserati? It is very hard. For a rookie starting this time, I said this last podcast that it is quite hard for a rookie to step into Formula E and perform immediately. Jake Hughes did that in Mexico last year, and it was one of the best drives. I think, I think Jake Hughes' drive in Mexico last season as a rookie, finishing almost on the podium, was one of the best drives of that for of of last Formula E season to step in as a rookie and perform like that in a championship where it is so so different. Is was a brilliant effort, and for Jay and Deruvla. It's going to be simple for him. How quickly can he settle into his role at Maserati? You know, he needs to quickly get into the grooves of things. DS Penske, you said the powerhouse team of 20... Well, pre-season 2023, they were the powerhouse team. And, um, well, uh, hmm. 2023 ended up um, kind of aging like milk for them. It didn't really go too well. Um, They kind of settled into being like a really solid midfield team which um, is definitely not what they'd be wanting. And um, to come into 2024, yes, finishing P6 and P8, it's better than nothing, I will give it to them. You know, it's better than just scoring no points at all. But 
for them, they will be wanting to make steps forward. They want to get with those teams like Porsche, Envision, Jaguar, etc. Um, that they, they will be wanting those podiums and rain race wins. And it's a, they, they, it's not like it's not like they have two drivers who are incompetent. John Eric Van and Stoffel Van Dorn are very very capable drivers. Um, my little thing with Stoffel Van Dorn is that when it isn't his day, it really is not his day. He he can he can't he is he is prone to having a stinky race. I think it's fair to say. Um, sorry, Stoffel. It it, it it it's it's okay. It's it's part it's part of racing. You know, when it's your day, it's your day. When it's not your day, um, yeah, it, it doesn't go too well for you. But um, yeah, they will definitely be wanting to get into the groove of things very quickly indeed because. In this championship, um, you know, yes, whilst you, well, you, you got several, several rounds. You've only had one round in 2024. It feels so weird saying we're in 2024 at the moment. It feels like 2023 Formula E season finished basically yesterday, but uh, it finished in July. Uh, nah, it, 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 the, the, the year last year went so, so quickly, um, apart from when Formula E and IndyCar weren't there. Um, anyway, um, I'll just mention Envision Racing, because it, feel, it feels obvious to mention them, uh, with Sebastian Buemi starting the season very well. Um, his teammate, though, Robin Frines, um, he has a similar situation to Antonio Felix Costa. Just have a clean race. You know, you did, you had a good qualifying, good, good qualifying. And, um, instead you decided to have a worse race start than um you've probably ever seen and then proceed to bin it into a wall so um definitely one driver who will be wanting a good double header race weekend in Deria, don't you think james yeah no robin frines had a little bit of a tricky start uh to 2024 um and just like he had a little bit of a tricky start really to 2023 however he has now got his shot in uh in a big team of course nick cassidy are doing so well for envision racing last year only taken out the championship fight in the penultimate race by his teammates so um yeah for robin frines again it's this whole second driver syndrome that we've been very good at talking about um over the last sort of 13 months not really just happened um in formula e but also happened in f1 as well like when one driver seems to have the psychological edge over the other um the uh the problems kind of sort of uh they snowball really and uh yeah for robin frines he's got to hope that he doesn't jump on the uh snowball because that could be very disappointing for him especially in a time when he's got a move to a bigger team right okay now formula e right has only raced on street circuits really and let apart from valencia and um, Portland and uh, Mexico City is actually really a road course, but it kind of is it technically a street circuit? I don't really know. But they they race on shortened circuits. Okay, Formula One is going more and more towards street circuits. The announcement of the Madrid Grand Prix will be Formula One's ninth street circuit for 2026. There will be guaranteed seven street circuits with two more set to renew their contracts for the time in which the Madrid Grand Prix is coming. Whilst Formula One looks to the streets, Formula E is looking to natural terrain road courses. Taryn, do you think this is interesting in the way that the both series is going? And actually, do you think Formula One is shooting itself in the foot by doing so many street races, considering the fact that Formula One is, and there is no doubt, as much as we love other forms of motorsport, it is the pinnacle of engineering, right? And racing on tracks in which the pinnacle of engineering is being held back is almost killing it a little bit, maybe? Do you not agree? 
Do you not think they're kind of prioritizing cash over cash over racing? Because if you compare, say, um, an F1 car driving around Silverstone, all right, flat through Cops Corner, Maggots, Beckett's, The Chapel, Stowe, these are your proper corners, right? And in comparison, you compare it to um, one of the new sort of street circuity things that we've got, tight, twisty, a little bit difficult and slightly awkward, a bit off camber, not really showcasing anything except criminally high amounts of understeer. Um, is F1 shooting itself in the foot a little bit? And do you not think it's incredibly interesting that whilst Formula E is looking to expand onto road courses, F1 is looking to limit itself by going to street circuits? James, are you not familiar with the F1 marketing team these days? If somebody offers a billion quid to race around the worst street circuit known to man, F1 would think, yes, please, money, you say? Hmm, I really, really like that because, honestly, it is um, it's quite worrying. We're going to have more street circuits than actual race circuits in by, by 2026. It is really, really bad. Um, now, now the, I, I don't like the circuit to Catalonia, right? It is your classic test circuit. You know, I don't think it has any place on the F1 calendar. You know, there are so many good races race tracks tracks out these days like Sepang Malaysia beautiful circuit Turkey Istanbul Park we know how good that circuit was when it came back a little bit in 2020 2021 it produced two brilliant races however F1 has sort seen these obviously he's gone to see these races and has been like hmm this government isn't offering us as much money we don't care about the racing action clearly Honestly, I feel like the F1 management at these moments, they're not just shooting themselves in the foot. They've got an AK-47 and they are like spam clicking the trigger at their foot. Like it keeps on happening. And it, 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 I don't like it. I really don't like it. You know, the Spanish street, this, 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 the Madrid street circuit. Um, how, how, how do you say this? Like, uh, they, they go around a roundabout, I believe. I'm just, I've got the map up here and, in terms of overtaking zones, I see one. Uh, I mean, and there's like saying F1's returning to Madrid. Um, we were all familiar with the Madrid street circuit made my top gear, and that was about it. Like, it's it, I I don't like it, James. I, and I think that's all I want to say about it, because otherwise I will go into a rage. Yeah, um, the first corner looks just like the final chicane at Silverstone, and that's supposed to be the overtaking spot. Like it, 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 it don't, don't you think the first corner complex, or the other thing is the, the the first corner complex looks like the second half of the Barcelona chicane. You killed the man, but not the idea. Um, it's uh, it looks like an ugly set of corners. Um, and also it spoke. It's I'll we'll talk about the positives because we love to be negative on the single seater space podcast. However, we can try our hardest to scrape around the bottom of the barrel and talk about the positives. So. Um, 90% of fans to the track will apparently be able to get there via public transport. Um, it's making, it's making use of a, uh, of kind of like an industrial type site, hopefully adding a little bit, um, of life into it. However, as we've seen with like the Korean Grand Prix, that was supposed to be a really cool kind of half and half between a half road coursey feel plus a half sort of downtown area feel. But the track wasn't on the uh, calendar long enough for the downtown area feeling to be built. Do you think this may end up like another Valencia career where an abandoned industrial park ends up even more abandoned and 
industrial parked. Um, what do you think? Is can we can we cling on to something? Do we think it'll be good? Maybe. Right? Can we compare it to Vegas, where we thought the racing was going to be terrible and the racing ended up being good? Can we go into this with an open mind, or is this a little bit more worrying than even Vegas? The difference with Vegas was I felt like we saw where the overtaking zones were. Um, like I think for us there were there were there were two clear overtaking zones which kind of looked like okay, F1 cars can actually do this. You know, in that long straight we expected there to be overtaking consistently. Whilst this kind of main straight, it's um how do, how do you put it? It's it's not really long enough. It's not it's not long enough to make those overtakes. And I'm really trying to be positive here. I am trying my best here, but F1 cons- cons- consistently. Um, takes away my sanity um, considering parts of this Madrid circuit are narrower than the narrowest parts of Monaco Monaco it's narrower than Monaco how uh, how is overtaking going to be possible when F1 cars can't even overtake around the tracks of Monaco and F1 says hmm what do I think here I'm just gonna we're just gonna make the track even narrower. Especially with these bigger cars we've got. What are we gonna do? We're gonna make the circuit narrower so you cannot see any overtaking at all. Like, I think the road at the last three corners are only about eight meters wide. The start finish straight are is about twelve meters wide maximum. That screams overtaking at me, James. I, I clearly clearly F1 looks at that and sees, mm, yes, we're gonna have plenty of overtakes here. You know, we're gonna have plenty of action. James I look. We we grew up watching F1. Okay, this this is how we kind of grew our love for motorsport. We watched F1. We watched the the kind of races back, and you know we remember the 2012 season being so amazing. You know the sound of V8 engines roaring, and honestly, like every single time, I think that okay, I'm giving F1 a chance here. You know, they they seem to just keep on shooting themselves in the foot, and I don't like it. You know. These cars are bigger than ever before. We're going to street circuits where tracks are getting narrower. Something's going to break for F1. You know, I'm not saying this is make and break for Formula 1 as a sport. You know, there's always going to be Formula 1 wherever you go. But um, as, soon, as management is concerned, the way that everyone's sort of looking for money, and I will I will always say, you know, F1's a business. You know, they're looking to make a profit, etc., etc., but when it comes into account where it is kind of limiting the racing and worsening the racing, that's where I'm drawing the line. And as it's gone over the past few years, um, I don't like it. And I'm sure you probably think the same. Yeah, I know. Like, I just think in the last few years, the tracks that we've lost versus the ones that we've gained. Yeah, not not for me, really. Since Liberty Media have taken over, someone went through a list of the tracks that we've lost. Obviously, the most notable one being Sepang. Um, loved Sepang as a location, as a track. Um, and uh, there, there was a full list, but um, my brain has just gone completely blank. But instead, we've gained a load of street courses and just, just not that great ones either. Like, we've gained... La Salle as the only natural terrain road course that we've got. I, I say I use the term natural terrain in the loosest terms possible. It's flat as a pancake. Okay? Um, yeah. Not... I do really, really, really... My heart feels a little bit sad because F1 is about engineering, right? And the most 
amazing engineering comes through Formula 1. And the drivers should be able to have a chance to feel just how fast it is, how good it is when the car is perfectly rooted in. But instead, at the moment, we're just going to street course after street course, bearing in mind that Spa, Suzuka and Silverstone's contracts are up, um, all of them within the next 18 months. Um, a London Grand Prix, anybody? A, a Brussels Grand Prix? A Tokyo Grand Prix? We might, you know, that, that it doesn't seem too ridiculous and out the question at the moment with just the way F1 is going. So, yeah, um, it, it's not a great situation and um, it does just make me feel a little bit sad, really. Um, Taron, any concluding thoughts about the Madrid... Um uh, the Madrid Grand Prix. Can we we can give it a bit of a chance? Uh, but yeah, um, just just the direction that Formula One's going, isn't it? Just any concluding thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I, we we kind of have no choice but to give it a chance, like we did for Vegas. And I, I, I the main thing with Vegas was the fact that it hindered public action and stuff, and the build up was so negative. Um, I really, really, really hope that it isn't the same as Madrid um, at all. You know, it, the circuit, uh, I'm not going to say what it looks like. It has a Istanbul-esque, um, well, no, not Istanbul-esque. You know the, the kind of um, hair, fast hair, kind of hairpin at uh, Abu Dhabi Yas Marina. It has that in, but in reverse, it, it looks like it. So um, I, I guess we can look, look forward to seeing um, corners, which we see on other parts of the F1 calendar, but... Um, it, it's it just I it looks just underwhelming. Um, I really really hope that um I'm drinking it as much as possible at the moment, but I I don't like it. You know, as you said, we've lost so many good circuits. You know, Sepang, Hockenheim, even I completely forgot about Hockenheim. You know, it performed um pretty pretty well in 2018 2019, uh, thanks to some rain, and um, we've lost them. As well as 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 Istanbul Park, etc., etc. You know these kind of good roads, these these good kind of racing tracks that we we have seen uh, in 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 years gone by are slowly leaving our calendar, and it's really really sad. As you said, you know the classic tracks such as Spa, your Spa, Silverstone. Well, Silverstone, I know we I know we're, I know we're, we're in the UK and we are slightly biased here, but Silverstone every. F1 fan will think Silverstone is 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 the home of F1, and it is just a beautiful, beautiful track. And to see it go would be um, it wouldn't be just a great shame, but it'd be really heartbreaking. And to see to say hi to more street circuits where F1 is not going to create good racing. Yeah, I was only semi joking, but actually thinking about it might be a little bit more serious ever a true word said in jest i guess but um that is a conversation for 2026 and who knows where the single season space podcast will be 2026 seems like a mile away it's um two full seasons of f1 away uh yeah i know time is flying isn't it um and time has flown on this podcast as well so we'll wrap it up here for this week and um hopefully i'll take a four nil lead in the predictions league um, after Diria's double header. Thanks again to Taryn Glazebrook for joining me on the sixth episode of the Single Seater Space podcast. I've been James Scott, and uh, we will see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>